you were pulling up for a big case. You're representing one of your biggest customers. And, and on the last uh, kind of that, that last day, what song are you jacking up to max volume as you're pulling up into the courthouse? Aerosmith, Dream On. Oh! All right, Tyler, you ready? Absolutely. All right. Time out. Tyler, who are we taking a time out with today? Well, thank you very much, Kevin. Well, today we're taking a crucial time out with Heidi Gregory, managing partner at Harris Beach. And uh, Heidi, I just wanted to start asking you off the bat. We know you're not feeling good today. You got a cold. You're talking to the two of us guys this uh, this morning. What got you out of bed with all these accolades you have as well? What gets Heidi out of bed every morning, especially this morning? A 7.30 a.m. meeting. That's what got me out of bed. And, and also and also to review the, the six pages of notes you guys sent me late last night. <laughs> well, don't no, be alarmed. We're just, we're just here to learn about the Heidi Gregory. Um, obviously, uh, a lot of accolades, like Tyler had mentioned, uh, managing partner over there at Harris Beach, one of the most prolific uh, law firms here in Rochester and, and beyond. Um, and really understanding that you, you too are a lawyer yourself in the, in the healthcare field. When you were pulling up for a big case, you're representing one of your biggest customers. And, and on the last uh, kind of that, that last day, what song are you jacking up to max volume as you're pulling up into the courthouse? Aerosmith, Dream On. Oh! Love, love that song. Love, love that song. I could, that's the song that when it comes on, right? Everybody, the volume just goes up. And we all think we have Steven Tyler's voice, right? We all yeah. think we can match that. <laughs> and I really think that uh, probably because of that, that uh, we, you, you uh, just jack it up to max volume, you get pumped up, you get mo mo moving and motivated and uh, people get to hear that great voice of yours. <laughs> no voice. I, I, I lip sync. I don't, I don't sing. Yeah. <laughs> what is, uh, what is Heidi's favorite place to, uh, let's say you, you could drop everything tomorrow. Um, everything's in a good place, standing order there at Harris Beach. Where are you dropping everything to to go take a vacation? So I've got um, two family vacation spots. Um, on my side, my parents have a little summer cottage on Long Island on the South Shore. Very, very quiet, peaceful. I grew up going there every summer. Um, and then on my husband's side of the family, they have a house um, in Islesboro, Maine. It's an island off the mid coast. Um, that would be a place I would go when I just want to check out, like literally check out, um, and both beautiful, very serene, nice, relaxing spots. Well, next time I don't, I don't get away that, very often though. <laughs> <laughs> next time you come back to that from there, I'd be sure to bring Kevin and I some bagels and lobster. So I wanted to keep it back local. So Heidi, when you have friends or family coming to town around Rochester specifically, what are you most excited to show them in Rochester? Um, oh, I, I mean, the lake. I, I think Lake Ontario, so many people think it's just this, in, this tiny body of water. And they're amazed when they're looking around and they don't see land on the other side. Um, and, and the fact that the lake is, you know, some days quiet, right? Just calm as anything. And other days it looks, it looks more like an ocean. Um, Love to drive them around. The Finger Lakes area is gorgeous too. Um, 
yeah, just, you know, take them around, show them the sights, you know, show them that we have water nearby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know all about that lake. My wife and I bought a uh, boat that's older than me called the Dirty Oar, and uh, that lake can sure change very quick from glass Absolutely. to extreme waves. So I, it, is, it, it looks more like an ocean, I think, when you actually start showing people that. So Heidi, your, your, your first car that you were driving around blasting Aerosmith in, what was the first car that Heidi Gregory drove? It was a Chevy Impala. Oh. And, and I think my dad helped me get that one because he, he thought it was big enough, right? It had like four corners, <laughs> literal corners. And uh, I think he thought it would absorb the impact of, of any collision, which sadly it did. It, it met its demise in, in a car accident. But um, yeah, that was, my, that was my first car. Heavy Impala first car. Well, what was your first job ever growing up as a kid, Heidi? Oh, I was the, I was the can, like a work behind the candy uh, and popcorn stand at a movie theater. Um, and it's so fun, no cash registers, no smartphones, nothing. You had to do all, all the math in your head. Um, I loved it. It was a great job. I, I did that all through high school and um, got to see bits and pieces of movies. Um, but, and I had an unfortunate popcorn kernel incident where I was making the popcorn and one landed on me and, and kind of, in, you know, just, went to an area where I could not retrieve it right away. And I ended up with a burn mark down, down my side. So oh my well, did you press work legal action, any legal action? No, there? no, work, no workers comp, no workers comp for that. But um, yeah, it was a great, it was a great job. It was a phenomenal job to have in high school. Oh, I bet. Oh, Extra butter and all the popcorn for the folks. Oh, so. please. Yeah. Just that, you know, that whole, and then, you know, the size, the I was sizes. just going to say, were the sizes still just giant? Yeah, they were. Even back then, they were. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, what 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 age were you? Was Heidi saying to yourself, "I'm going to be a lawyer"? When, when does that happen to somebody? Eighth grade. I I still remember it. I was in eighth grade. I loved my social studies teacher. Uh, we had you know a unit on government and politics, and we talked about the rule of law. And I just, I fell in love. Now, I think to some degree, I probably should have taken more time and stepped back and really explored. I kind of just got on that path and said, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, now when you look back, you realize there was a richness, uh, an experience that I missed probably after college. I went right to law school and then law school went right into conventional practice of law. I often wish maybe I had lived a little bit and worked around a little bit um, because I probably would have been a better lawyer from the start had I had those experiences. But, you know, I, I, I handled it the way I handled it and, you know, it's worked out. Yeah, but you saw the path forward. You made that destination. And, and I think sometimes when we do look forward and we make those uh, maybe the stake in the ground and saying, this is where I want to get to. You tend to take that crooked mile journey, but as long as you're working towards that path of, of, of where you want to be, it's, it's, it's really important to kind of, Dr. Shaw now in one of our past episodes talked about the importance of her vision board. And I think that's so important for us to really know and, and get out of ourselves and, and, and out of our own way in essence. 
All right. So one last question for you. Um, you talked about obviously working at the movie theater, maximum butter on every piece of popcorn that you could find. If you could bring back one fashion trend, because I drove down Park Avenue and the, the, I am not wearing what the kids are wearing today, but it, those acid wash jeans are coming back around. My father could not be more excited because I think he's been holding on to them for the last 40 years. What trend would Heidi bring back? You know, sadly, I'm in my 50s. I still have a lot of the clothes that I wore like in college. Um, yeah, I think jeans like those acid wash jeans. Um, I remember wearing like a lot of big oversized sweatshirts. Everything seems to be fitted these days, but during COVID, I reconnected with my comfortable <laughs> side. So um, yeah, I would I would say, you know, let's keep some of that stuff in 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 the wardrobe, right? The comfy pants and the and the comfy sweatshirts. It's all about comfort. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so switching gears a little bit to understand more about uh, Heidi and your role now at Harris Beach. Back in 2018, you were named uh, the, the managing partner of the Rochester office. What a lot of our listeners may not know that you were the first female to step into that role. Where were you when you got that call? And who was the first person that you reached out to to let them know? Oh, wow. Those are great questions. Um, I was in the office, so I had gone through interviews, right? I wasn't the only partner in the Rochester office that was inter interested, in, uh, and we all had to be interviewed um, by the management committee and by the CEO and, and others. Um, so yeah, I was in the office and they paid me a visit. Some of them paid me a visit to let me know that I got selected. Um, the firm is 165 years old this year. And um, there are two other females on management now, um, and they are elected to the management committee, but I, I am the first female to sit as a, or to serve as a managing partner of an office. Um, so yeah, big, big shoes and, and a wonderful opportunity for me. And um, yeah, I was excited. And then, yes, I called my family to tell my family that, um, that they would have to, I, I borrowed this from a board um, that I served on at one point, oops. But I, I every now and then I'll, I'll remind them that I'm, I'm somewhat important somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Heidi, I was scrolling through your accolades last night and I just, uh, a few stuck out to me. I saw you're on the board at Resolve Greater Rochester. And I was just wanna know, how'd you get involved in that? And like, where'd the passion come from? So that's a really deep question and I'll give you without getting emotional about it, but um, Resolve, as you might appreciate, is one of the amazing agencies in our community that provide resources for those that are victim, uh, victims of domestic abuse and interpersonal violence. Um, I had a situation in my family in 2019 where we lost actually two family members to a tragic domestic violence incident Ironically, the interim CEO who took over Resolve had, had no idea what I was going through. She just was recruiting me for that board. And I thought that's, that's gotta be fate, right? That here I am struggling with this and there was a need. So it was a, it was, it's been a perfect marriage. Resolve works very closely with Willow. Most people are very familiar with Willow. There's actually a DV consortium of all of the different agencies and resources. So it's been a wonderful journey to be able to support them these last few uh, months, 18 months or so. And for me, cathartic, truly 
you know, like I was, I felt helpless and, and now I feel like at least I'm able to help others. That's so oh, wow. It's awesome to see how people get aligned with the nonprofits that they work with. I mean, some right. people just do it because they love to give back, but having that personal side and that personal, I think it just changes our perspective and our motivation on, on really driving that, that change. Yeah, I agree. So going back to 2018, you, you not only were named uh, managing partner, but then you won leader in law um, from the daily record record or record um, here in Rochester. What was, what was, it, what did it mean to you to not only be named managing partner, but then also be, I guess, recognized for that award here locally for being a top, top lawyer? That, um, that those types of acknowledgements and recognitions are very special. I, I'll be honest, I don't necessarily seek them out and, but I'm humbled by them. And, and um, the fact that someone would have nominated me for that recognition to me, the nomination is, is the award, right? The nomination is the gift um, and to be thought of that way. Um, I, I, I get, you know, I get more out of um, nominating others, um, but I, I have been, and I've been, you know, incredibly blessed these last few years receiving some, some uh, the Athena Award, Athena, Athena finalist and other things. Wonderful. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm on the right path. But I, I really feel like it's about everybody else. So when I stand up there, I think it's not me. It's all of the other people that I work with. It's all the other people that got me to this point that, that uh, should be sharing in that recognition. Awesome, Heidi. And what would you tell a young lady uh, wanting to be a, a managing partner, a business leader, a profound lawyer nowadays? What advice would you give a young lady nowadays on how to carve the way that, uh, you know, Heidi, Heidi trailblazed yourself? Well, any, I would say to any young professional, and I, and I really do enjoy speaking to the law students, those that haven't found their first job yet. Maybe they're moving through law school and they're trying to figure out their trajectory. A couple of things. One, um, I, I chronically lack confidence and have to keep pushing myself forward. And a lot of people think, well, how, you know, you lack confidence? I do. And, and you would think that like with these recognitions and these awards that it would be a little easier to move through. But I find myself as my own worst enemy. I hold myself back and I have to, you know, move myself through that. So when I'm giving advice to other people, I'm like, you have to find your spot and move yourself through that. Don't hold yourself back. The other thing is, while I've been with the same firm for 25 years, I've been fortunate to be able to reinvent myself within the firm. And I think the two of you would agree with this. You have to be able to pivot and you have to be able to reinvent yourself. You, you, know, you have to have some vision to see that opportunity but not to hold yourself back. Don't be fearful, reinvent yourself, find that niche, find that void, find the need. And I've been very fortunate my 25 years at the firm, I haven't stayed stagnant. I've, I've looked around and I figured out, you know, where, where, where the need was. Um, and, and right now I think that, you know, my ability to kind of administratively support the office and, um, and maybe be a cheerleader in ways uh, that, uh, you know, that, that others maybe weren't able to do. And, and I've got that gift and, and that's been a, a real blessing, I think, for the office. But yeah, the advice I would give any young person, male, female, you know, have confidence in yourself, move through that and don't be afraid to reinvent yourself along the way. 
Awesome, Heidi. Do you have any best practices on dealing with fear and uh, getting outside of yourself? So another really good question, Tyler. Um, so a lot of people do meditation. Um, I cannot do that. You know, like uh, there's like Head Start and all this other stuff. I'm like thinking of the grocery list. I'm like thinking about, you know, <laughs> do I have enough, you know, do I have to stop at the gas station? I can never get myself in that space. Having said that, you, you have to, you have to be able to take enough time sometimes just to think things through. And so it's not meditation. It's not that kind of quiet reflective. I create lists. I'm a list person. And I'll do like pros and cons. And I, I use like lists to try to move myself through something that I might be stumbling on. I might lack, you know, if I'm not feeling strong or confident enough, I, I create these lists. Like, you know, kind of a, a little self-help to, to me in that moment to try to get over that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I know that you really pride yourself on several articles that we dug up in the RBJ. You pride yourself on, on building that inclusive culture. Um, seeing that you stepped in and we're almost now three years into your tenure as, as managing partner, what was your biggest challenge to turn around the culture to make your impact on, on Harris Beach here in Rochester? Well, I was, I'm very fortunate. I work with really great people and our CEO right now at Harris Beach has, has been at the firm longer than me. He's, he's wonderful. And he's, I think he's setting a tone and a culture for the firm. The Rochester office is the largest office of the firm. And we have all of our uh, infrastructure, our business infrastructure, our IT, our finance, our business development, our knowledge services, everything, human resources, everything's in Rochester. Um, so you, you've got all of these, you've got attorneys, non-attorneys, and, and everybody's trying to do their job. So for me, it was really about figuring out how to connect with people and to build relationships. And there's 220, I think we're 230 now. We were much higher pre-COVID and, you know, with, with a lot of changes, we're about 225, 230 people in the Rochester office right now. I have a goal know everybody by name wow. and um and that's awfully hard i mean pre-covid I, I was really making headway i really felt connected to people um i think they were starting to understand me i mean i happen to think i'm pretty funny but a lot of people don't <laughs> don't laugh at my jokes but i i think they were starting to kind of understand you know who who i am and um it's you know it's really building the culture can only be built and strengthened by relationships. And, and you, you have to figure out ways to engage people. Uh, otherwise, you're just womp, womp, womp. You know, you're just talking and, and you don't have anybody with you. You don't have anybody supporting you. Um, and the other thing, too, uh, Kevin, is I have to be willing to do it, too. I, I can't just, you know, say, let's do this and let's do that without really, you know, getting dirty sometimes in, in, in the community service work we're doing, uh, the administrative initiatives that we're taking on, whatever it is. So I've, I've offered myself up in many different ways to try to support the office and, uh, and to change for, for, the, ben you know, for the better. Mm -hmm. One of the, I, I know I mentioned a little bit earlier before we kicked off the show that I've been stalking you for probably the last 18 months of, of really following you as, 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 this, as this leader in our community. 
You mentioned community service. That was one of the reasons why I immediately reached out to you when Tyler and I came up with this crazy podcast idea, because I think that is so important to build those types of relationships with your employees, but also the relationship with the community in which we live. Why did you put that at the focal point of what you're doing as that um, leader um, in, at Harris Beach today? Why did you think that was important? What, what positive benefits have you seen as a result? It's incredibly important. I mean, we're not in this for ourselves. We're not in this as, as, as you know, the law firm would, would be nothing in, unless it's known in the community, not just for its good work, but also for giving back. Um, I, I do what I do and I stress the importance of community service to personalize and humanize our office. Otherwise, we're just a law firm, right? I, I really want people to identify us in the community as, as being a resource, not just for their substantive needs, you know, but, but also for you know, the, you know, the human aspect. Uh, um, and many of the not-for-profits in this community cannot do it alone. They, they really do need uh, Rochester corporate uh, support. And, and some of it is monetary, but a lot of it is really getting to know them and to support them. Um, and, you know, I'm blessed again, uh, my CEO, Chris Yeagle, uh, and I'm trying to think when we came up with this, maybe 10 years ago, we started what's called the Community Involvement Committee. And it's evolved over time. I chaired it for a couple of years. I'm still on it now, um, have been on it. And as the Rochester office managing partner, I, I sit on it and we look for opportunities. Some of the opportunities come to us because our, our staff, our, our attorneys will come to us with different ideas. And then we're also looking out into the community saying, what can we do not just to raise funds, but also to raise awareness and to get more active. Um, and then another piece of that too is to try to match people up with board opportunities and committee opportunities so that we can really get some of our young professionals invested early in their careers. Um, you know, we, we're focused right now, uh, COVID did a number on everybody and uh, I think everybody's mental health has taken a toll. Uh, the firm as a whole has a new wellness initiative. So we recently did, you know, a, a walkathon to support NAMI uh, the National Alliance uh, for Mental Illness. Um, we were, I, I called us a, a small but mighty team. I mean, it, it, it's amazing what a few people can do. Um, and I'm also amazed at what we can do then to promote some of these organizations just through social media and our own internal um, communications. I, I love sending out emails to the office um, and some of them get read, um, but, <laughs> But they, uh, but you can you can highlight some of the things that that you're doing or some of the things your colleagues are doing and um, and and really just you know again help the community in small and big ways. Mm. So important. I love, I love your, Absolutely. I love your, I love your vision of intertwining business with these nonprofits to really uplift the community as a whole. Well, then I'm a mega mental health guy over here, Heidi, and it was the coordinated care services. Can you kind of touch on that as what they do and, and what kind of offerings they have for a guy like me to help out? So CCSI is, I think, one of the best known, best, well, best kept secrets, let's say that. And I, and I don't want it to be a secret anymore. I just rotated off that board after nine years. Um, I served as the chair the last two years, I think, uh, on their executive committee. They started out uh, as kind of back office support to Monroe County Mental Health. 
they have grown, they've got, um, they've got uh, business lines, service lines, professional support, consulting lines all over the state now. They're no longer just helping, you know, uh, county mental health. Uh, they're uh, front facing with their diversity and inclusion initiatives. Um, and with, with just, they do amazing stuff. So they'll, they'll work for not, they'll do anything for not-for-profits some for-profits um, and still support a lot of the, the municipalities with regard to their behavioral health, human service uh, and, and mental health programs. Um, they, they are, um, again, I, I think um, not well known because they've been very content being the, the wind that kind of pushes some of these agencies along. Um, they, they also will manage many of the, the financial uh, programs um, and administer the payments that are coming in through some of our, our state-driven programs. So you, you're talking about really talented, um, high acumen people who have to understand all of the regulations um, and they do it without fanfare, Tyler. They, they, do, they do it quietly. Um, and that's what I love about organizations like that. They're really not looking for anything flashy. They just go about their business. Um, so it was my pleasure, nine years I served on that board and it was really my pleasure to kind of support them and to see how they've grown. They're in Onondaga County now. They're, they're all over the state, but they have a stakeholder in Monroe and Onondaga, Broome County as well. Sticking with the mental health piece here, Heidi, um, because it is so important, we're hearing terms like burnout and we're seeing now this, uh, the big ex exodus as, as they anticipate uh, more and more employees to maybe they were sheltering in place during the pandemic because they weren't uncertain as what tomorrow was going to bring. Mental health kind of still has this stigma in our society, right? It's, it's the ability to ask somebody else for, their, for help um, and admitting that we're not perfect. How have you found becoming a leader? You, you mentioned teamwork. You mentioned kind of building up others, creating a culture that's inclusive. And, and one of the words that you used that I definitely had to use the dictionary for was uh, collegiality um, was one of the terms that you used. And it's all a united front working towards a common purpose. Because there's such a stigma with mental health, how are you raising awareness within your own organization today to let your employees know that it's okay and that we have services and support? Because I know in the legal field, mental health has always been relatively a um, sore subject for a lot of uh, firms. How have you built that, that understanding that it's okay and we have these resources and we wanna make sure that you're doing okay? So I'll back up, great question. Um, Many years ago, this issue came up within the legal industry, within our law firm. We were, as an industry, we weren't ready to embrace it. And that, that stigma was still front and center. Um, I, I think because of COVID and some of our, uh, some of us who have a wear it on, I'm like a wear it on your sleeves person, right? So if I'm not feeling well, I usually tell people, oh, I did. I actually did tell you too, I wasn't <laughs> feeling well today. Um, but, I'm, but I'm able to talk about it. And I realized through, through our law firm's journey that not everybody has that comfort level. So while the conversation started a few years ago, um, I'm happy to say that you know, my law firm and I suspect many others have now embraced these wellness initiatives. 
Um, some are creating like ours, um, these small circles where you, you, you will be able to ultimately join and, and um, be able to address certain concerns. But then there's some of us, and, and it's not like I've been trained, but there's some of us that are gonna be in a position to create and start conversation where maybe it's been difficult in the past. And I think just keeping these initiatives front and center will just make it easier for people to seek help, to ask for help, to take the time off that they need. Um, you know, I've heard this saying before, I said it a lot during COVID and I'm still saying it okay, I'm still saying it a lot now. It's okay to not be okay. And but you have to be, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to kind of be willing to move through that. And um, again, for me, maybe because of the way I, I wear things on my sleeves, it's always been a little easier for me to move through some stress, for me to move through, you know, the bad stuff that's happened. Um, and through my relationships and my connections with others, I'm, I'm hopeful that I can help help others, at least within my office. The firm's uh, new initiative is going to be multifaceted, though. It, it really will be educational and also allow for an outlet, which I think is going to be great. Golly, and I didn't, I didn't come up with that idea. I mean, I was one of the ones maybe five years ago that said we really need to be doing something. But again, I just don't think the industry was ready to embrace it. And there's a lot about the legal profession that's stagnant. That's we're not we're not terribly innovative and we're often not as progressive as you know corporate America is. We're getting there. Mm -hmm. And I and I think uh, because of COVID, uh, we learned pretty quickly we have to be there. We we this is something we have to do because it is a high stress industry. Mm -hmm. And I Have think you noticed you on that um, in one of your most recent uh, RBJ articles that it, it, you mentioned that um, the firm itself was able to transition very quickly um, due to the fallout of the pandemic. You mentioned right. that person that always wants to develop those those interpersonal skills with others on your team, and you really felt like in person was your way to that you could read people and really develop and foster those types of relationships. You mentioned the stagnant um, uh, function really of of, of law and legal. The other stagnant piece, um, not only because you were the first woman elected over the 165 years of, of, of service of the Harris Beach, um, you're in a very male dominated or appears to be a very, very male dominated industry. We talk about the diversity, equity and inclusion conversation. How have you now picked up that baton since 2018 to really give a voice to maybe some of the minorities or some of the females within the firm to really promote them and bring them up with you? Well, again, I can't take credit for this. I, I love the fact that my firm embraced a um, long ago, a diversity initiative that's now grown over time. We have a very robust Council on Inclusion and Diversity. I think in the beginning it was to, um, maybe we were told to do it or it was suggested that we do it, um, but pretty soon after its creation, we saw the business case for it. We saw the business need. We saw the platform in which we could, you know, could launch other programs from. Um, gender diversity being one piece of it. Um, you're right. The, the law, sadly, is still very much male dominated. A lot of that has to do with females electing the the exit ramp uh, when when they uh, choose to start a family. Um, and um, but you know. We're also underrepresented in, in the law here, in at least in Rochester. Uh, we, we do not have 
a lot of minority attorneys and that's got to change. And, and uh, God bless my, my teammates on the council because they are looking for opportunities to really engage with, with law students and different law schools. Um, we do a lot with the bar associations throughout the state. There's 10 offices at Harris Beach and all of us have relationships with local associations and, and uh, the law schools to really create a relationship early on um, with, with those that might uh, be underrepresented in the, in the profession and underrepresented at my firm. And, um, and I love that work, by the way, I often get invited to do some of the, you know, the, the different um, meetings and, and uh, meet and greets and stuff. And it's, it's incredible like to meet the young talent and uh, understand where they might wanna go. And it's really just creating that pipeline that maybe didn't exist before. Um, but we can do better. The legal profession has to do better. Um, and as far as female representation at the top, we, we, we will continue to get better. Um, this, this Rochester community has some great female leadership uh, and, and talent at, at very high levels. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not the first, I just was the first managing partner, uh, office managing partner at Harris Beach. Um, but there's other role models in, in this community. So, um, which has been a great thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Heidi. Well, I was thinking if I was a lawyer, Heidi, and I was, uh, wanting to come work at Harris Beach, why would I want to work at Harris Beach? What do you tell this young talent about Harris Beach as a whole? And how do you hook them? So I would say we are a full service law firm. We are throughout the state. We have a national presence as well, though. While we don't have offices throughout the country, we work uh, on a national level. Um, substantively, we've got just about everything covered. So when you are a new attorney being recruited into the firm, uh, without a designated spot, we usually put them through a rotation so that they can work in all of the different substantive areas, the practice groups and industry teams, get a little flavor for everything. They then hope their interests hopefully align with the firm's need, and then we can place them. Um, you know, the, the nice thing about a firm like Harris Beach is we're not too big, um, but we have a, a very large platform across the state. Um, and the other thing is we don't take ourselves too seriously. I mean, we, we, I've, I've, said, I've said some bad things about the profession, right? We're not innovative, we're not progressive, we're a bit stagnant, but you know, at Harris Beach, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And I think that we, we really do create relationships with our clients. We're, we're very solution-based, but we work hard at making sure that we create the right relationship with the client. We get to know them, what's keeping them up at night, um, you know, and how we can support them, what we can do better, um, what we, you know, what they need. And um, those types of conversations are crucial. But when we're attracting new talent, we really want them to get a flavor for that. We want them to get a flavor for us. Um, the fit has to be there, right? But um, yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I joke with the new, the younger associates, you know, uh, the, the newer attorneys, when they come in, I always joke, you know, if, if they're, a, you know, a, 2018 grad from law school, I'll be like, oh, I graduated just a few years ahead of you in the class in 1993. You know, and they look, they look at me like, she being funny? Like, is she being serious? Like, you no, know, and I'm like, oh, you know, 
but you know, you just, you try, you try to relate with them. And um, yeah, I, I, we've been very fortunate to, we have a great group coming in. COVID kind of put it, the, you know, put the stops to a lot of different things and hiring was one of them. Um, but we've got a great group of people coming in this year and we're thrilled. Um, so. That's awesome. Hi. Yeah, it really is. And I love how you give them a rotation, the opportunity to to find their um, passion, right? I mean, if we're passionate about what we're doing, we love what we're doing, we're placating towards our strengths, we're always engaged, we're going to put forth the best on it, and it doesn't feel like work. Um, back to that uh, word that I had to Google, uh, collegiality. Um, when you're working towards a common purpose, what is Heidi's purpose that you're working towards? Well, my, my purpose, um, I guess my personal purpose is to do good and be good, right? That's kind of my personal mission statement. And it may sound very simple, but it was my mother's advice to me a long time ago, right? Do good, be good. Um, my, my mission or my purpose now in my role as the Rochester office managing partner is, is really just to promote um, engagement. And um, I, I really want people to get a sense of satisfaction that is above and beyond the substantive work that they're doing. I really want them to feel part of the team and part of the hair speech family. And, and the way I do that is, is to make sure that they feel included, um, that we're being respectful, um, that we laugh, you know, that we find time to have that downtime and that we laugh and we can poke fun at ourselves a little bit. Um, the social aspect, I, um, I, I do love seeing people in person. I, I love being able to have that downtime with people. Um, in my second life, I'm going to come back as a party planner. Um, and um, just because I, I do love to like, you know, bring, you know, bring people together. Um, and we weren't able to do that the last 18 months. And, and even now, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be different when we bring people back. We have an event planned for the end of the month. And I know that there are some that are reluctant. Um, there are some like me that just can't wait. Um, but bringing people together to get to know each other in a non-stressful, you know, sometimes non-work environment is so important. Um, when you like who you work with, when you like the people that are on your team, it goes a long way to get you through those tough days. Oh, yeah. And that support system that uh, you know that you can ask for help and be confident that um, they're going to they're going to put their foot, best foot forward to help you in any situation. Right, right. So Heidi, one of the things that you were, were talking about earlier, um, a few things. I know your passion project is creating pathways and helping um, women succeed, um, right? To, to continue to, to build. One of the points that you touched on, and I'm an expecting father myself, my wife and I are accepting, expecting our first baby here July 1st, so any second. Um, and you mentioned that women have to sometimes take the back seat to their career, right? Because of, because of this. Um, and um, with, with the extension of the Paid Family Leave Act, we, we understand the importance of, of that key developmental stages of, of newborns. What would you say, because you have children of your own and you are still working towards this mission, what can females who also want to enjoy and create a family, um, what advice or pathway did you take to get to where you are going through those same um, potential social challenges? So I chose to um, 
put all three of my kids in daycare <clears throat> after I took my 12 weeks. They're all great. They've turned out wonderfully. Um, they're relatively healthy. They were not healthy kids in daycare, but they turned out to be really healthy kids by elementary school. Um, I didn't have any qualms putting them in daycare. I know some, you know, look for other avenues, but I couldn't imagine um, staying home either. I thought I was going to be a better mother if I found kind of that right balance where I could still, um, you know, I could still be a professional and and um, and balance that with family. I, I did go part time for many, many years. I was uh, among, if not the first firm's first part-time associate advanced to partnership. Um, so for many, many years I was part-time and that was my way of balancing. When I've had other females come to me and share with me that they're considering leaving the profession um, to stay home, obviously that's a very individual decision and I, and, but, I, but I share with them my journey. I share with them that the balance is sometimes elusive, it, it's not easy. Um, but that I was, I never regretted um, not staying home full time. Mm -hmm. And I think those that do take the exit ramp completely have a really hard time with re-entry years mm -hmm. later. And I would encourage anyone who's considering leaving the profession to just keep a toe, a foot, a finger, something, um, because it, it might make it a lot easier when they are ready. Um, I know how precious those, those first few weeks, months, years are with the children. Um, I would not have been able to do it. It would not, I would not have been able to stay home full time. I mean, if, if COVID the last 18 months with three kids home was any indication, I, no way. Um, but I, you know, I felt like I was a better lawyer and a better mother for, for being able to do both. And, uh, the firm was very, very flexible with me. And, and I, that's what I, asked for I asked for flexibility I asked for flexibility with my schedule and 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 without that I, I would not have been able to succeed so I was very blessed um, but the part two to all of this would be it is different I think for females uh, because we're the, the ones birthing the children and and in the legal profession especially I, I often say lift as you climb so as you're moving through this, please don't forget to lift others. Please don't forget how, how it felt, what you went through. And, and you know, maybe, maybe you're not you know, going to just start sharing advice without being asked, but when you're in those environments, you know, make sure that you're sharing your, your wisdom and your experience with others. Some have called it her story, right? Instead of history, her story. You know, we all have a story, we all have a history and the her story is often very unique because of family demands. Um, and I, I love to share my story with other lawyers and I usually do encourage them to kind of work through uh, those balance concerns and, and try, to, try to stay in the profession even, even if it is just with, with, their, uh, with their toe. Um, for as long as they can, because the, the re-entry can be, can be very, very difficult. Thank you. Yeah. Heidi, you're so dadgum cool and you're funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I am. Yeah, you are. Yeah. So like yesterday I sent an email out. I was supposed to send an email out to the office about changing, you know, it's time to change your password. So they gave me the script and I'm like, I'm not going to send this. So I was like, 
ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. And then I just kept going on, but then I had to put in friends. I'm, I'm like literally laughing right now. And I know no one else thinks this is funny, but then the feedback I got, people read my email. Like, that's the thing. Like I word it in a way I know people are going to read it. Um, so yeah, I, I do Tyler. I laugh at myself more than anyone else laughs at me, I think, but. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you were, I was going to ask you, you, you mentioned you had some local mentors around here in Rochester growing up or, and you're in your professional life. Could you share with, with Kevin and I who you look up to, who you learn from? Because in my experience, I learn from other people. It's sort of genuine, but I learn from people way smarter or with way more experience than I ever would have in a lifetime. Are there any gentlemen or ladies that you could nominate or just throw out there on who kind of, I don't know, just that you mentor or that was your mentor? So um, at the firm, I've had many of I've been blessed. I've had many mentors uh, to come to mind. Beth Wilkins, who's now retired, um, just an incredible, uh, brilliant lawyer, in dedicated to the community, found the ability uh, to, to balance uh, a very, very stressful uh, job with um, you know, all that she did um, outside board service and all of that stuff. So I always looked to her for guidance and her, her advice was always just on point, so sound. Um, she, she's kind of like that lighthouse, that beacon that you're attracted to. You know she's gonna keep you safe and, and keep you on the path. So she was always the one I went to uh, when, when things got a little stressful. But another one of my mentors, um, is Doug Foss and he's just about ready to retire from the practice of law. He used to, when I was a young associate, ask me over and over again, what's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? What's your 15? He drove me nuts. Oh, like, <laughs> and he, if he didn't like my answer, not, not substantively, but if he thought I hesitated too much, he would, he would ask me again the next time, you know, I, I was working with him. And but he got me thinking like it, it's not day to day. Like a lot of what we do really does have to be that vision board that you mentioned earlier, Kevin, it has to be mapped out a little bit. And I, and I appreciate him greatly now. I didn't always appreciate those questions then, but I appreciate what he was trying to do and how he was really trying to get me focused, not just on today, but down the road, where I saw myself within the firm, where I saw myself within the legal profession, sometimes where I saw myself personally. And then a bit of advice he gave me, and I'll never forget it, don't let perfect get in the way of very good. <laughs> and uh, many of us are perfectionists, and we will toil and toil and toil. And guess what? We don't get the job done very well in the end because we're so focused on some standard that is probably unachievable. Mm -hmm. So don't let perfect get in the way of very good. And he, he, he mentioned that to me early on in my career. And um, I, I, I kept that and I've shared that with other people regularly. Yeah. God, thanks Getting for that dose of serenity right there. Yeah. That, that feels good to hear. Yeah, it does. It does. And, it, and a lot of it's that ego work that I think um, it's, it's easy to get it in our own heads. But you, you I mean, you said it so so elegantly there is like sometimes we just need to pick our head up to know where we're actually going. And so it's so easy to get involved in the day to day um, that we're it's sometimes we can feel lost almost. In essence. 
Um, before we get into the last part of the segment of the show, Heidi, one of my favorite questions um, that I like to ask leaders is, um, what do you want Heidi Gregory's um, legacy to be when you're all said and done, um, you're retiring, you got your feet kicked up on a, a beautiful beach somewhere. What do you want your legacy or, or to be remembered by? Oh, geez. Uh, first of all, I'm getting closer to retirement. So that beach and that chair, maybe with a beverage sounds awfully good. Um, I guess for my, I would want my colleagues to, to maybe say that I was a, you know, a compassionate leader and that I did exactly what I shared with you earlier, that I, that I helped promote and advocate and lift, you know, maybe as I moved up um, through different positions that I supported, advocated and lift, lifted others. That's Incredible. So as we wrap up, some of the, the, the last part of the show is, is where we get to have a little fun with you, like we're interviewing you, like you're coming to work for us here at Time Out for Leaders. Um, but one of my favorite things that I just wanted to reiterate is lift as you climb. Um, I love that. I am stealing that. That is going to be the name of this show. Well, and I, and I stole it from somebody else, too. I heard they, that years ago and I, I adopted it. So We'll thank whoever came up yes, with it. Whoever and in the universe you, came you up. You use it freely now. <laughs> I I just simply I think that is so um, concisely put, and it's so important for as we kind of maybe not everybody has the same opportunities that we've been given, but if we take them up with us in, in our journey, it's it's hard to go at it alone. It's easier to do it with others and lift them up as as we go. So Heidi, um, we appreciate you sending in your application. We know this war for talent right now. It's, it's really, really competitive, but we did get your application and we just wanted to ask you a few interview questions today to understand why you actually wanted to come and work for us here at Time Out for Leaders. So Tyler, I'll have you lead us off with your first interview question. Well, Heidi, thanks for coming to the interview today. And I was just gonna ask you, will you tell me a time that you were in a stressful situation and how you got out of it? I was on a previous interview. This goes back 30 years. My contact <laughs> came out of my eye in the middle of the interview. That's stress. You're tr I was trying to impress myself and my contact was lying on my cheek. I had to very carefully take it down, <laughs> try not to wink and blink at the interviewer. I did get the job, by the way. But I, ended up having, I ended up having to explain, I'm like, my, my contact just came out. No, that's that's a silly example of a stressful situation, but um, I'll never forget that. <laughs> you pro I promise I wasn't winking at you the whole time. I, I, I had to say, I said, I, 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 I am so sorry if I'm winking at you. I, I said, my contact just fell out of my eye and I'm literally holding my contact. And the, and the, and the guy was like, do you, do you need me to do something? Like he was all nervous for me. I'm like, oh no. So I literally like held my contact in my eye for the rest of the interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's thank not, that, that wasn't the question you asked or the answer you were expecting. You're, you're, you're Why not you're share? Yeah, it's okay. We'll let it slide. <laughs> we'll, we'll, it, it all, a lot of weight on this question. I never understood it because I didn't understand the correlation or the relationship as to what it defined me as a person, but maybe you will. If you could be an animal, Heidi, what would it be? And why would you be that particular animal? Oh, my dogs. They are so spoiled. Cooper and Stormy. They, they are so spoiled. I want to be my dogs. 
<laughs> we all like to be spoiled. We all like to be spoiled. Well, um, I, I know I will just say this for myself, and uh, I, I just wanted to thank you so much, Heidi, for being a part of this uh, Time Out with Leaders with us. It has been an under, unbelievable opportunity to, well, to thank you for having me. hear your story. Yeah. Um, I think it's so powerful how you're uplifting others and, and especially focusing on, on really challenging the stigmas, the common practices of old in the, in the legal community and, and really picking up the torch and, and lifting up others as you, as you go. So I know I'm thankful. I appreciate thank your you. time immensely. Um, we thank you so much for joining us today and, and appreciate uh, and sharing this message out. And hopefully everybody stops back uh, next week on Friday for the next interview of a time out with leaders. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you too. Perfect. Thank you, Heidi. And if we could all be a little bit more like Heidi Gregory just today, I think this world would be all right.